0: Chapter Thirty Seven of Kit and Kitty by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirty Seven, Cold Comfort. In the calm May night, I left my desolate home to learn the cause and meaning of its desolation. Some men might have doubted whether it was worth their while to trace the dark steps of their own reproach. From what I had seen, even now. I knew that my wife had left me of her own accord. There was not the smallest sign of struggle or disorder anywhere, nothing whatever to suggest that any compulsion had been used, or even that any stranger's foot had crossed our humble threshold. Of this I should learn more by daylight, and I took care not to slur the chance by even treading the little path that led to the old door on the wall. There was a grass edging to that path, betwixt it and a row of espalier apple-trees in full bloom now and along that grass i made my way with a bull's-eye lamp in my hand as far as the leaden-coloured door of which old tabby had asked a few hours ago without stepping in front of that door i threw the strong light upon it and perceived at once that it had been opened recently it was now unbolted and unlocked and kept shut only by the old thumb-latch this i lifted and stepped outside keeping close to the post so as not to meddle with any footprints within or without then i cast my light on the dust outside for the weather had lately been quite dry and there i saw distinctly the impress of my darling's foot i could swear to it among ten thousand with its delicate springy curves for her feet in their boots had the shapely arch and rise of a small ox-tongue And ladies did not wear peg-heels, then, to make flat feet seem vaulted. By the side of that comely footprint were the marks of a coarser and commonplace shoe, short and square and as wide as it was long, probably the sign pedal of a clod-hopping country boy or lad. Of these there were some half-dozen, as if the boy had stamped about as he entered and repeated the process when he returned. I will examine these carefully when the sun is up, thought i i must see to other matters now so i hurried at once by the shortest track to the lower corner of the gardens where my uncle corney lived tabby tapscott was gone home and the house all dark and fast asleep for i must have lost an hour in my agony on the bed besides all the other time wasted at last my thunderous knocks disturbed even the sound sleep of the grower "'and he flung up a window and looked out with a nightcap over his frizz of white hair. "'It is no time for anger,' I replied to his hot exclamations. "'Come and let me in. I want your advice. I am ruined.' "'My uncle was thoroughly good at heart when he came down with a light "'and saw the ghost he had let in. "'He was very little better than his visitor. "'He shook as if old age were come upon him suddenly while I tried to tell my tale. "'My kitty! Gone!' and gone of her own accord he cried as if he and not i had lost her man you must be mad are you walking in your sleep god send that i may be but when shall i awake the old man's distress and his trembling anguish let loose all the floods of mine i fell against the wall where he hung his hats and saws and sobbed like a woman who had lost her only child come come he said we shall both be ashamed of this your darling is not dead my boy but only lured away by some dun trick don't blame yourself or her i will answer for her sooner than i would for myself in this bad world you shall have her back again kit you shall have her back again there is a god who never lets us perish while we stick to him i have not stuck to him i have stuck to her THE TRUTH OF MY WORDS CAME UPON ME LIKE A FLASH. IT WAS THE FIRST TIME I HAD EVEN THOUGHT OF THIS. NEVER MIND, HE KNOWS, AND HE MEANT IT SO, MY UNCLE REPLIED WITH SOME THEOLOGY OF HIS OWN. NO MAN WILL BE PUNISHED FOR DOING WHAT THE BIBLE ORDERS. YOU'LL SEE, MY DEAR BOY, IT WILL ALL COME RIGHT. YOU WILL LIVE TO LAUGH AT THIS INFERNAL TRICK, AND I HOPE TO THE LORD THAT I SHALL BE ALIVE TO GRIN WITH YOU. CHEER UP, OLD FELLOW what would your kitty think to see you knock under to a bit of rigmarole you must keep up your spirits for poor kitty's sake to see an old man show more pluck than a young one and to take in a little of his fine faith set me on my pins again more than any one would believe and i followed him into his kitchen where the remnants of the fire were not quite dead i'll blow it up kit he said and put a bit of wood on tabby always leaves it in this cupboard ah that was a fine tree that old jargonel it lived on its bark i believe for about a score of years and you helped to split it up when you were courting kitty you shall court her again my boy and have another honeymoon as they've cut yours short in this confounded way now make a good fire while i put my breeches on you look like a ghost that has never had a bit to eat i don't suppose you have touched a morsel to speak of since breakfast never say die is my motto kit we'll be at the police office by three o'clock we can do nothing till then you know even as he spoke his ancient cuckoo sang out one o'clock and i obeyed his orders and even found a little comfort in the thought that kitty would have smiled to see my clumsy efforts for she was very knowing about making fires up WHEN I HAD CONTRIVED TO EAT A BIT OF SOMETHING WHICH MY UNCLE WARMED UP FOR ME, THOUGH I NEVER KNEW WHAT IT WAS, HE GAVE ME A GLASS OF OLD ALE, AND TOOK A DROP HIMSELF, AND WE TALKED OF OUR CALAMITY UNTIL IT WAS TIME TO GO. HE ASKED ME WHETHER ANYTHING WITHIN THE LAST FEW DAYS COULD BE CALLED TO MIND THAT BORE AT ALL UPON THIS SUDDEN MYSTERY. WHETHER ANY JARRING WORDS, HOWEVER LITTLE THOUGHT OF, HAD PASSED BETWEEN MY WIFE AND ME, as is sometimes the case even when a couple are all in all to one another. But I could remember none, nor any approach, to such a thing, and I had never seen a frown upon my darling's forehead. Then he told me what he had heard about his former tenant, Harker, the man whom he ejected by a fumigating process, much more successful than the ejectment of the frost. It was nothing more than this, and even this perhaps a piece of idle village gossip, old accurate had taken much amiss his tardy expulsion for he meant to live rent free through winter and had been heard to say that he would be something anticipatory perhaps of his final doom if that blessed young couple should be in his house very long for he knew a trick worth two of that and if he had been smoked out hang them they should be burned out i agreed with my uncle that such stuff as this was not worth repeating especially as nothing of the kind had come to pass, and yet again it appeared suspicious that the door through which my dear wife had vanished should be the very one which old Harker had used for his special entrance and exit, while he had even been jealous of any attempt on the part of the owners to use it. But my uncle and myself were uncommonly poor hands at anything akin to spying. A rule had always been to accept small fibs, such as every man receives by the dozen daily without passing them through a fine sieve which if any man does he will have little time for any other employment take this big stick kit i brought it for the purpose said my uncle when i had knocked a dozen times in vain at the door of sergeant biggs our head policeman it is the toughest bit of stuff i have ever handled it will go through the panel of the door before it breaks don't be afraid my boy take both hands but let me get out of the way before you swing it (laughs) that ought to bring him out but we must make allowance for the strength of his sleep because he has such practice at it all day long our police force at that time consisted of two men sergeant biggs the chief officer and constable turnover very good men both and highly popular they were not paid by any means according to their merits and we always got up a christmas box for them which put them on their honor not to make a fuss for nothing it is wise for every place to keep its policeman in good humor otherwise it gets a shocking name without deserving it coming master coming don't be in such a hurry i heard a very reasonable voice reply at last got one leg into these here breeches and can't get the other cause they wasn't made for me ah there goes that blessed stare into my bad leg again oh, they promised to mend it last lady day twelvemonth amended they won't till i've got a running sore ah gents both what can i do for you always at the post of duty that's the motto of the force why bless me if it isn't mr orchardson any delinquents in your garden sir ever so much worse than that replied my uncle biggs are you wide awake a dreadful thing has happened where is turnover we shall want you both at once on duty sir patrolling unless he have turned in but he's very good for that even when i looks after him which i do pretty sharp as he knows to his credit a very active constable is turned over but come inside mr orchardson don't stand out in the cold sir there was a streak of dawn among the trees towards hampton and the white frost fog had rolled up from the river and i saw that a dark cloud was gathering in the south the change that my uncle had foretold was coming even sooner than he had expected it He went inside and Sergeant Biggs, who had a light, pulled on a coat and sat down in state before a rail desk on which a square book was lying. Then he turned the brass cover off the ink and squared his elbows. Now, sir, the particulars, if you please. We must make entry afore we does nothing. You were quite right in coming to headquarters, Mr. Orchardson. Let me see. May the fourteenth, isn't it? No, Biggs, it's morning now, and yesterday was the fifteenth of May quite right sir here it is upon the standard may sixteenth eighteen sixty one three thirty a m by office clock information received from cornelius orchardson of the fruit garden sunbury everything ready sir please go ahead kit you tell him you know most about it scratch out cornelius and put christopher biggs sergeant biggs did not like to disfigure his book however he was a most obliging man stay sir stay he exclaimed i can do it better and neater than it is cornelius orchardson of the fruit garden sunbury and his nephew christopher orchardson that meets the point exactly now then gentlemen fire away and i will reduce it into proper form chafing at all this rigmarole which was sending another good hour to waste i poured out my tale in a very few words and had the satisfaction of seeing at last an expression of amazement gathering and deepening on the large fat countenance of sergeant biggs why this beats everything that was ever done in sunbury since squire Culpepper's daughter ran away and in the same family too as you might say how long ago was that Uh, let me see he was going to refer to some books and took off his orange spectacles to consider where they were come along biggs no time for that cried my uncle impatiently we want you to come and examine the place at once it was useless for us to go up till daylight there are footsteps for you to examine indoors now this here will be all over london afore the clock strikes twelve to-day ah uh, you may stare gentlemen and we don't tell how we do it but such is our organization and things are brought to such perfection now come along biggs why it's pouring with rain i knew the white frost were sure to bring it but i didn't expect it till the afternoon and it sounds like hail shocking thing for all my blossom i'll be with you mr orchardson in about ten minutes i must put my toggery to rights first you see sergeant biggs does not think much of himself but sunbury does and it would stare to see him go on duty without any waistcoat or stock and even a pair of braces on by the by gents have you been to tompkins house this was about the first sensible thing he had said and i answered that we had not been there yet but would go there at once, as it was not far out of our course, and we would rejoin him at the cottage. I had thought more than once in the long hours of that night of going to see the girl Polly, but was loath to knock upon a hard-working household for nothing, and felt sure that Polly could throw no light upon the matter, as she always left our cottage about five in the afternoon, and so it proved when we saw her now, for she could only stare and exclaim, having most of her wits which were not very active absorbed in hard work and the necessity of living and the more i examined her the more nervous she became fancying that she was undergoing trial and perhaps likely to be hanged for the loss of her young mistress i never see nobody take her away nor nobody come nigh the house all the time i were in it mother knows i didn't this she said over and over again "'Nobody says that you did, Polly,' I answered as gently as possible. "'But did you see anything to make you think "'that your mistress meant to go away when you were gone? "'I don't know what she was a-thinking of. "'She never told me nought about it. "'No, I never see nobody take her away. "'It isn't fair nor true to say so. "'But, my good child, nobody supposes that you did. "'Nobody is blaming you in the least. "'Nobody thinks that you saw her go away.' But can't you tell us whether you saw anything to show that she was likely to go away? Yes, I saw a big black crow come flying right over the roof about one o'clock, and then I knowed as someone was a going, live or dead. But I never told her, feared to frighten her. Lord in heaven knows I didn't. And did you see anything else go by—a cat or a dog or a man or a woman or? or anything else that did not usually come? Or did you hear any steps anywhere near the house, or see anything more than usual? Polly shook her head as if I was putting a crushing weight of thought on the top of it, and then she began to cry again, and her mother came up to protect her. She had cried when she heard that her mistress was gone, and she must not be allowed to cry again, or no one could tell what would come of it. Sweetie, tell the whole truth now, Got no need to be frightened. If police does come, they can't do nothing to you at all, my dear. Seventeen children have I had, and none ever put thumb on the Bible. Mrs. Tompkins did not mean that her family failed to search the scriptures, but that they had never been involved in criminal proceedings. Nay, not even as a witness. Well then, I think I did see some it," replied Polly under this encouragement i would not have pressed her as i did unless i felt pretty sure that she was keeping something back it warn't nothing to speak of much nor yet to think upon at the time well out with it dearie whatever it was all you have to do is to speak the truth and leave them as can put two and two together to make the meaning of it thus adjured polly after one more glance to be sure that no policeman was coming told her tale it was not very much "'but it might mean something. Twere about four o'clock, I believe, "'and all the things was put back again "'after muskin out the rooms, "'when Mrs. said to me, "'You run, Polly, "'and pick a little bit of chive down the walk there. "'I don't want much,' she says, "'but what there is must be good "'and just enough to cover a penny-piece, "'after I've chopped it up and put it together. "'I wants to have everything ready,' she says, "'just to make a homily when my husband comes home.' i've got plenty of parsley in that cup she says but he always likes a little bit of chive to give it seasoning and be sure you pick it clean she says and it mustn't be yellow at the tip or dirty because if the grit gets in she says it's ever so much worse than having none at all so i says all right ma'am i knows where it is and you shall have the best bit out of all the row you're a good girl she says don't be longer than you can help "'and you shall have a cup of tea, Polly, "'before you go home, "'because you've worked very well to-day. "'Nobody could have doed it better,' says she. "'Well, I took a little punnet as was hanging in the kitchen, "'not to make it hot in my hands, you see, "'and I went along the grass by the gooseberry bushes. "'You knows the place I mean, Mother, "'and there was the jives all as green as little leeks. "'As I was a-stooping over them, "'with my back up to the sky, "'all of a sudden I heard a sort of creak-like.' "'has made me stand up and look to know where it come from. "'And then I see the old door, as used to be bolted always, "'opening just a little way in towards me. "'Though I was a good bit off, and then the brim of a hat come through, "'and I sings out, Who's there, please? "'There wasn't no nose or eyes coming through the door yet, "'nor yet any legs so far as I could see, "'but only that there brim, like the brim of a soft hat, "'and I couldn't say for certain whether it was brown or black. "'Nothing here to steal,' I says, "'for I thought it were some tramp, "'and then the door shut softly, "'and I was half a mind to go and see "'whether there was any one out in the lane. "'But it all began to look so lonely-like, "'and I was ordered not to stop, "'and so I thought the best thing was to go back and tell the missus. "'But something came that drove it out of my mind altogether. "'For when I got back to the house, she says, don't you lose a minute polly there's a good girl run as far as widow cutthums and fetch half a dozen eggs i thought i had four and i've only got three she says and i can't make a homily for two people of three eggs and my husband won't eat a bit unless i has some she says so i was off quick stick to widow cutthums and there outside the door i seen that bad osborne the most audacious boy in all sunbury hola says he po you do look stunning i got a baker's roll a risin'. by the way you be a pantin give us a lock of your hair again the time when we gets old he says and before i could give him a pox on his ear he spreads out his fingers some way he must have learned for i never could a do it myself no that i couldn't and away goes all my black hair down over all my shoulders just the same as if it was sunday going on for three years back that vexed i were i can assure you mr kit "'Well, mother knows best how I put it up "'that very same morning for the cleanin', "'and our Annie to hold the black pins for me, "'but could at him I couldn't to give him one for himself. "'He were half across the street afore I could see out, "'and he hollered out some impertinence "'as made all the others grinny. "'But I'll have my change afore next Sunday week, I will. "'When I got back, Mr. Kit, you may suppose, "'all about the door and the hat brim "'was gone clean out of my mind, "'as if it never was there.' and i come away home without a word about it and never thought about it nuther till i lay wake in bed and heard our own door creak when father went to spy the weather but oh if i had only thought about it mr kit perhaps missus might never have been took off chapter thirty seven